Welcome back to the podcast series. As stated, the opinions expressed are those of the individual speakers and not necessarily those of the companies they represent. So let's get started. Yep. Uh, we're going to shift gears here once again. Uh, Sean, I'm going to get your thoughts on uh, transitioning from one therapeutic area to another. And that, this is an open. It can be on the pharma side or it can be on the device side. Uh, your thoughts on transitioning from different therapeutic areas? Yeah, that, I think that's a great question, John. And, um, you know, I've been lucky in my career. I've, I've worked on m multiple disease states, multiple therapeutic areas, and uh, you know, um, it, it, it's been a, a fabulous opportunity. So, you know, how do you do it? Well, I think the first thing is you have to be willing willing to put yourself out there and and ch take a chance. Right? Most of us are uh, experts in only one therapeutic area, and if you go to derive your comfort um, or your scientific pleasure by by only being in that area, then 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 that's suitable. But then you, you know you, you've you've put that particular limitation on yourself, and it may work very very well for you. But if you're willing to try to try other things, then I think you've got to start to say what what skill sets do you bring to the table that can be exploited and actually will make you attractive in a therapeutic area where you're not necessarily a subject matter expert and um, you know the longer that you're in industry I guess the, the, the more that becomes relevant right the the practice of neurology today is completely different than it was when I when I joined industry over 20, 20 years ago so perhaps my therapeutic skills are, are not what they once were in terms of you know my current competence now I could have focused purely on neuro and, and kept them up to speed but what I in instead did was focus on the skill sets, the general and generic elements of what it is that makes a, 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 an MD or a medical affairs professional successful in, in industry. And if you um, learn those skills, demonstrate success in them, and you're willing to leverage those to help perhaps the deep um, subject matter experts in a particular disease state be successful, then that enables you, I think, to transition readily from one therapeutic area to, to the other. Last comment on that, John, I think you, you also have to um, be willing to team with and, and work with those deep subject matter experts because they're, they're always required. Um, so you have to you know, leverage those skills where you bring value to the table and marry those with the, the skills of the deep subject matter expert, but that will enable you to, to transition from one therapeutic area to another very successfully. Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate you you, you setting it up, and it it, it really kind of gets to sort of the next question that I'm going to pitch to you, and that is is that that external key opinion leader, deep subject matter expert. What does it take to go from there? Because perhaps we were out there, all of us at one time, to becoming the internal medical expert that Sean's talking about, or at least brought up, going from external KOL to internal medical expert. Your thoughts, Hube? Um. Do you mean within the company as the internal medical expert? Is that that's correct? So in other words, medical affairs. Uh, sometimes they say, uh, particularly if the role is new and they've not had internal medical affairs before, they may treat you like an, an internal KOL. Well, you're 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 not. You're going to be perhaps and want to be helpful in answering questions, but your role uh, being inside the company 
is not just a KOL. Uh, it, it's, it gets to some of this broader uh, skill set that Sean was talking about. Uh, your thoughts on sort of what does it take uh, to become an internal medical expert uh, that the, the teams will want to go on on a regular, rely on and come to on a regular basis? Yeah, I, I think um, a lot has to do with, you know, communication skills. So sometimes, you know, an external KOL, they're so deep into that disease state um, that, it might be very difficult for a commercial person to understand. So in, uh, in order to, I think, to become this internal medical expert, you have to be able to really explain it to in lay terms, I always think. Um, and then what I mentioned earlier, it certainly has to do with trust that they um, understand where you're coming from and, and you know, they understand um, what your background was before, um, what it is now, and what your role is within the company. Um, but I, I do think it's also sometimes, you know, you do have to admit there's limitations in your own skills. Um, in my particular situation, I'm not an MD, for instance. So if, depending on what the company or department needs, um, there are times, of course, that we fall short and that's totally fine. Um, and therefore, you would reach out back to the external KOLs or the physicians that, you know, you know that can um, bring certain knowledge to the table that's required. So hopefully that, that explains some of it, um, what I no. see happening. Thank you so much. Yep. No, I appreciate your, your perspective. Uh, final question is going to be for Sean, and we're kind of now kind of wrapping up and talking about career development. And that is, is that how would you characterize what are the differences or similarities between career development that takes place on the pharma side versus the med tech side? Sean? Yeah, I think, John, not surprisingly, um, things are probably more similar here than, than, than different um, in terms of, you know, how, how one develops a career and what the opportunities are. It's also clear uh, to me, having been in both sectors, that companies are still focused on the fact that their employees are a key asset and the, the development of those employees is critical to the success of, of the, the company. So I think you know the um, things. Things are more more similar. Things stay the same. Uh, so, so let me say a few things about what I think would you know help to for somebody who have a a successful career path. I mentioned before. I think uh, you know setting up a a personal internal network is vital to success. You need to understand uh, you know, who's who in the zoo. Who are the the influences and and critical internal stakeholders, regardless of which sector you're in? I think um, you, you you need to focus on building um, relationships which demonstrate the value you bring to the organization, but that at the same time enable you to grow. I think you have to be willing to um, put yourself out there, ensure that you get appropriate exposure, uh, and I think you have to be willing to take S certain certain risks. If you're never feeling uncomfortable, you're probably not going to be um, sort of taking on those stretch assignments and 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 getting the exposure that's that's critical to a successful career. But bottom line for me, John, I think this is one of the. I, I think there are a lot of aspects between pharma and medical devices that are more similar than dissimilar, and I think career development is probably that aspect that's the most similar. 
No, thank you uh, very much for that uh, perspective. And I want to thank you both because we've covered in this sort of lightning round at the end a wide variety of topics that really rounds out the discussion uh, that we've been having uh, throughout the course of this uh, broadcast. At this point, I'm going to pitch back to Mark Rubenstein, my co-host, uh, to kind of give us a wrap-up uh, on the, the podcast. Mark? Thank you, John. Yeah, so uh, it's been a, a great, great, great discussion. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank Sean and Hoop for all this uh, very important and very uh, interesting information and perspective from each one of them. Um, it's been great. I would also, also like to uh, thank John for co-hosting this, this, this podcast. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground uh, today, uh, and I think what we're trying to do here is give our audience a perspective. If they're trying to switch from pharma to medtech, or they've been in medtech for a long time and they want to move to pharma, what are the key differences uh, within medical affairs that they will see, uh, challenges they might encounter, uh, things that they need to consider before they want to move uh, into one area or another? And both Hoob and Sean have provided a great depth of information on, on both, going from pharma to medtech as well as medtech to pharma. Uh, I think as we in MAPS continue to grow the medtech part of the group um, and it's important to show all our audience, uh, not only the pharma people but also the medtech, uh, the key differences. So it's uh, something useful in a tool if somebody's doing this switch for the first time, at least um, they have something in there so they can start uh, much better their, their, their new job um, if that's the decision. Um, again, I would like to thank uh, everyone. Uh, for this great, great session, and, and I will start. I will just want to conclude with a final comments. Uh, Sean, do you have any final comments you would like to share with the team? Sure. Uh, let me let me thank both you, Mark and John, for inviting uh, for inviting me and Hube to, um, to to join this conversation. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I'd say this. I'd say uh, if you're in pharma, don't hesitate to try medtech. If you're in medtech, don't hesitate to try pharma. We, we like to point out the differences between the, the two sectors, but fundamentally, we're all about improving human health care and, 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 and doing so through the medical or scientific aspects of, of being in industry. So um, you, you certainly have the ability to make the transition if you want to. Um, I would say, you know, things that for me have been exciting having transitioned from pharma to medical technology. Um, there's, there's a host of them, but a few that come readily to mind. So first of all, things happen very quickly in the technology sector compared to the pharmaceutical uh, uh, sec sector. Secondly, uh, as a scientist, you, you're involved really from, from um, the very early stages um, you know, looking at disease state opportunities right through obsolescence of the product, even as a medical affairs professional. Your role doesn't only begin sort of close to or at the time of, of commercialization. And finally, I'd say the other thing that really, really attractive is um, the, the, the opportunity to work on multiple um, disease states and products at the same, at the same time. Uh, for the reason that I mentioned earlier, right, the, the products are commercially not usually of the same magnitude as, as drugs, and hence um, you get to do more of them 
in 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 parallel, and that can be really really uh, exciting if if um, you like frequent gratification because you're going to work on lots of things that will be successful very quickly. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, that's a great great way of uh, finalizing these this podcast. Uh, Hope, I would like to uh, turn it to you. Any final comments? Sure. Just wanted to thank all of you as well. Um, I must say I really enjoyed the discussion. It's always really fun to to talk to colleagues from uh, other departments. I don't always get to do that, so I really enjoy that. Certainly hope it was um, successful and or hope that it's useful for uh, people that are considering making the switch. Um, I couldn't agree more with Sean. I definitely recommend making the switch. Um, so either going from pharma to medtech or vice versa. Um, I certainly learned a lot from from going into both. Um, I do believe that every time you make a switch, um, whether it's products or disease state, um, you learn a lot and it certainly makes you more marketable the more you know. Um, and so definitely um, I can recommend it. Um, I do think um, we focused a lot on some of the differences, but in all honesty, I, I do believe the the, uh, the majority of the skill sets that you need in either is, is going to be translatable. So I, I do believe um, a lot of what we do is very, very similar, um, although, you know, I'm sure you've heard some of the differences as well. So, uh, no, I just wanted to thank you. And if there's any other questions, um, I can always make myself available. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you very much, Hoop. Uh, and thanks again, both of you, Sean and Hoop. Uh, it's been a great, great, great session. Uh, I would like to now turn it to John for any final comments that you might have. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, again, outstanding job, and I, I really appreciate uh, you being my partner in crime as the co-host for this. But real, the, the greater uh, gratitude goes to both Sean and you for providing such a detailed thoughtful and genuine answers. Uh, I think clearly uh, both of you authentically care about the profession of medical affairs. Uh, and, I, and I use the broader definition of it because it's more encompassing on the med tech side than pharma. What I'd like to wrap up with in terms of my thoughts is that something we didn't talk about and is that med tech and pharma are now collaborating more and the lines are starting to blur which uh, elevates the importance of the conversation that we've been having during this broadcast well why is that uh, I think clearly uh, we have an aging population and those patients want to remain active uh, there's also increased governmental regulations and scrutiny particularly on the uh, the med tech side uh, that is now elevating it uh, to the levels that has been previously uh, been there for quite some time on the pharmaceutical side. And with that, uh, there is going to be increased spending on R&D as we look at wearables and the uh, evolution of digital, uh, whether that be a digital ecosystem tracking patient data or a software-enabled surgery with a robot uh, in an operating room. Uh, all of that means that the need, the number of people, the skills, the technology, and the market is one that's in a growth trajectory, uh, which means opportunities exist. And I think for our listeners, whether they be in the profession, uh, thinking of transitioning, or early in their career or late in their career, uh, we covered a lot of topics that help put it into perspective. And I thank you both uh, for being our guests, and I thank Mark for being my fellow co-host. Mark? Thank you very much, John. 
Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with, uh, with you more. Uh, it's been a great, great session. Uh, and I think it's important. I think both uh, Hoove and Sean mentioned the same thing. It's, it's your inherent skills that you have that if you want to make the switch from one uh, to the other or vice versa, it's, you don't hesitate. Try to do it. Uh, your inherited skills are what's going to make you successful, not one or the other. And I think this is great. Um, and I think it's a great perspective for everyone uh, where there's still a lot of unknown. Uh, there's a lot of known, but a lot of unknown on either side. And as John mentioned, uh, we're getting closer and closer, especially in MAPS. Uh, we're trying to grow this uh, med tech community uh, to blend in with the uh, pharmaceutical community within MAPS and make it an even larger community in, uh, within medical affairs.